0: Two professors at the University of Central Arkansas in Conway completed research recently using hair and urine samples uh, for drug testing and whether, uh, and they were also studying whether hair drug testing has any sort of racial bias to it. One of the things they found was that if we move to hair drug testing uh, instead of urine, that more than 300,000 truckers would be removed from the roadway because they would be unable to pass their drug test because they will have used illicit drugs um, in whatever time allowed to show up on a hair drug test. Uh, the, the, the authors were asked to do this by a trucking industry association because the trucking industry associations were considering hair drug testing and this really shocking uh, finding came out of their their research that basically said that your analysis is insufficient to really pick up uh, illicit drug use after some amount of time. And if we really want to crack down on people that think it's okay to drive 80,000 pound vehicles and also use drugs, that we should use uh, hair analysis. Now, the obvious import for the industry is we can't lose 300,000 drivers overnight. Uh, what would we do? um, where would we find those 300,000 people to make up for those jobs? And that would likely mean they would have to raise wages and make their jobs more appealing. Um, you know, the, the, the researchers went on to talk about how all those people should be pulled off the road and they don't care, um, what the industry has to do to fix that problem, but that it's, it's really, um, just so reckless for trucking companies to have this information, to know that if they did a, a hair test that they would, find some of their truckers were uh, using drugs or alcohol and they still don't do it. This is a study that came out this year, just six months ago. Um, and, and, and this is really important right now because what's happening in Texas is a coalition of trucking companies uh, and trucking industry trade groups and, and highly, most likely also insurance companies are pushing for reforms of our legal industry so that they're held less accountable um, when they cause crashes, so Texans for lawsuit reform and the trucking association here in Texas have teamed up, and they say that that lawsuits and people injured on the road are putting them out of business. Uh, Texas doesn't even have close to the highest uh, trucking insurance premiums, but the trucking industry is saying we can't afford these premiums, so we have to get legislative changes to our legal system. It's, it's, it's worth noting that they're not discussing uh, changing the way insurance is handled in Texas. They're not discussing uh, changes to their own industry that allows for uh, a lot of trucking crashes in Texas that involve texting and driving and alcohol-related driving and lots of really egregious gross negligence uh, almost criminal. I mean, it is criminal, but almost uh, homicidal behavior. I mean, if you're behind an 80,000 pound vehicle and you're texting and driving or drunk, um, you know that you've got a really high likelihood of hurting somebody or killing somebody, but the industry isn't trying to address that. What they want to do is say, Hey, um, legislators, please shield us from lawsuits because we're not self-regulating, uh, which is leading to a lot of bad lawsuits and a lot of injured and killed Texans too that people forget to talk about. So they want the legislator to fix it. You know, just, just for some background information, Texas has had an explosion in the oil and gas industry, which has led to an explosion in the support industry for that, uh, supporting oil and gas, and a lot of that is trucking. Um, so we've had a lot more Trucking lawsuits filed, but we've also had a lot more truckers on the road, which means more truck crashes, which means more injured people, and therefore more lawsuits. So you have the industry talking about truck crashes uh, and the lawsuits associated with those going up, but they're not talking about that. It's it's just kind of normal uh, what you would expect when you have an explosion in the trucking industry. You're going to have an explosion in trucking crashes, and when insurance companies are deciding whether to settle those cases. Uh, well, they don't ever really do the right thing, so that leads to lawsuits against the trucking companies. So, trucking companies should be asking for some reforms with the insurance industry, but instead, they just want to stick it to Texans who've been injured. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulation or S- Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration puts out a lot of data. Uh, I mean, really, they're an incredible resource if you want to know anything about highway safety, vehicle crashes, eighteen wheeler crashes, and the like. Uh, They put together a lot of information, and and their most recent data on crash facts was from 2018, and I kind of wanted to cover some of it. You know, their annual edition of large truck and bus crash facts uh, just covers sort of all the statistics related to what compiled in 2018. They pull that information from the fatality analysis reporting system uh, by NHTSA. They pull information from the general estimates system, uh, also maintained by NHTSA. Crash Reporting Sampling System, or CRSS, which is also NHTSA, and the Motor Carrier Management Information System, or MCMIS, crash file, uh, which is maintained by the FMCSA. Um, They they pull a lot of this information. They specifically track information relating to types of crashes, types of vehicles involved, um, what happened to people, and what happened to drivers in crashes. So some of the trends that they noted – Was that in 2018, 5,096 large truck and bus crashes were involved. uh, Large trucks and buses were involved in fatal crashes, which is only a 1% increase from 2017, uh, but it's a 48% increase from 2009. So if you live in Texas, you know in 2008, 2009, that's when all the shell booms started. So in the last 11 years, we've had a huge explosion. Uh, in the oil and gas industry and all over America due to fracking and some of the other regulations that changed. And in that same time, you saw an almost 50% increase in fatality crashes involving large trucks and buses. Uh, there was a 34% decrease um, in the number of fatal crashes involving large trucks, 18-wheelers and buses from 05 to 09, and then a 45% increase from 09 to '18. So what we saw was a trending downward and then an explosion upward, um, which just matches the the oil and gas boom. From 2009 to 2015, injury crashes increased 62%. And what do we know about some of those crashes? Of approximately 499,000 reported crashes involving large trucks, 1% were fatal crashes. And 107,000 or 21% involve somebody getting injured. And that makes sense. You have an 80,000-pound vehicle. It doesn't have to go fast to hurt somebody. Uh, Approximately 57% of all fatal crashes involving 18-wheelers occurred in a rural area. 26% occurred on an interstate setting. uh, And 13% fell into both of those categories, on an interstate, in a rural area. Uh, There were 13.5 fatal large truck crashes per million people in 2018, which is a 27% increase from 2010. So what we're seeing is the number of fatality and injury related crashes has steadily been going up, um, you know, somewhere between four and three and 5% a year. Uh, and, and that's going to lead to an increase in claims on insurance policies. In 2018, there were one2 1.12 fatalities in fatal crashes involving large trucks. The majority, 82%, were people that were not in the large truck. So big truck hits passenger vehicle, passenger vehicle takes the brunt, and those people get hurt. And then some other things I thought were interesting. From 2015 to 2018, the number of large trucks weighing between 10 and 14,000 pounds in crashes increased 330%. So we're not talking the fully loaded 18-wheeler. We're talking about some of the smaller uh, commercial motor vehicles. And and you see that across the spectrum. You take away some of the 18-wheeler, 80,000-pound vehicles, and some of the smaller commercial vehicles, the rate of crashes increased significantly over the last five years. And then from the people, of the 4786 drivers of large trucks involved in fatal crash. Crashes, 7% were 25 years or younger, and 6% were 66 years or older. Uh, Speeding of any kind was the most frequent driver-related factor in the crash. So I also wanted to look into some of the causes of some of the crash, and and luckily the FMCSA has produced a really detailed um, study called the LTCCS the Large Truck Crash Causation Study. It hasn't been updated in about 10 years, but it's still full of a lot of great information. Um, Basically, what they said was they took factors uh, that are most likely to increase the cause of a crash uh, or increase the risk of a crash, and they included them as causation factors for this data collection um, focus only. So what they did was they analyzed 963 crashes over a 33-month span, And what would happen is in 17 states, they had people on the ground who would go out and investigate uh, crashes as soon as the crash occurred. So they would send their own researcher uh, and a state truck inspector out to the site of a crash. They would do their own investigation. They'd go through logbooks and witness statements. They'd look at the scene. They would track weather conditions. They would collect over a thousand different elements on the truck, the driver, the other vehicles involved, the roadway conditions and everything to try to compile some information about large truck crashes in the United States. Uh, During that 33-month study, uh, there were approximately 120,000 fatal and injury-causing crashes involving large trucks nationwide. Then what they did was they tried to determine what the critical event was in a crash, and and that was basically whatever put that crash into... um, a course that made the collision unavoidable. So, uh, for example, running out of a travel lane, either into a wall or into a lane or off the road, uh, that was one of the things they would consider a critical event. Or rear-ending another vehicle, that would be a critical event. Once it was started, it was unavoidable, the truck couldn't stop in time, uh, and then vehicle loss of control by either going too fast or vehicle braking or cargo shifting was another critical event. Then what they did was they looked at the critical event and they tried to come up with a critical reason. Sometimes that involved the vehicle. um, So the brakes went out. Sometimes environment, maybe there's ice on the road. Uh, But the vast majority of them they decided had to do with the drivers themselves. And then they categorized those crashes by driver critical reasons. And they broke them down into four categories. So Driver non-performance, meaning the driver either fell asleep or had a heart attack or passed out or was somehow physically impaired for some reason. Uh, driver recognition was another one. And this was that they became inattentive for some reason. It could be texting and driving, some sort of um, distraction in the vehicle, or they just didn't observe a situation fast enough or adequately enough to come to a stop. There was driver decision-making. Um, In those cases, they categorize as driver decision making, they said the driver drove too fast for the conditions or followed too closely or, or, uh, you know, didn't recognize the weather or something like that. And then the last one was driver performance. And in these, they said basically the driver either overcompensated or they panicked or they just exercised poor judgment in the situation. Of the hundreds of associated factors related to these crashes, the top 10 factors they decided were causative of large trucks uh, crashing and their drivers making bad decisions uh, were brake problems, uh, traffic flow interruptions, so either congestion, a previous crash, stop and go traffic, uh, prescription drug use was very high, uh, traveling too fast, uh, unfamiliarity with a roadway roadway problems required to stop before crash, so a traffic control device or crosswalk, uh, over-the-counter drug use, inadequate surveillance, and fatigue. I mean, so let's think for a second. Of the 10 factors coded for large trucks and their drivers being causative of a crash that injured or killed somebody, two of the top 10 factors were drug use. I mean, that's that's crazy to think about. So... Um, yeah, I mean it's it's just it's 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 pretty off-putting. Um, then some of the other associated factors that they really walked through um, in their report was how prevalent some of these issues were. So we talk about uh, over-the-counter drug use that was noted in seventeen percent of their nine hundred and sixty-three crashes that they um, evaluated. Illegal drugs were in 2%. Alcohol was in 1%. um, External distraction was in 8%. So you get a lot of avoidable, um, a lot of really avoidable issues are causing and leading to the crashes on our highways that kill thousands of people every year, that injure hundreds of thousands of people every year, uh, taking away people's livelihoods, taking away their loved ones, changing their lives. And instead of talking about how to make our roadways safer, we're talking about how to protect uh, the insurance industry. And, and I think that's a real disservice to all of us. Um, they really know a lot of good trucking companies as well. Um, you know, the, the good companies are harmed by the bad companies. And the bad companies are the reason that insurance rates are being driven up. And And if a bad company gets bankrupted by a lawsuit, that that is the way that we have regulated that bad company. Um If they're putting drivers on the road who are on their phone or on drugs uh, or don't have a license, of which I've handled all three of those types of cases, I've had handled cases where a driver was unlicensed and his company kept paying his tickets because he said he was going to get licensed eventually, those types of companies should not exist. Uh, Their good drivers will have no problem finding a job. Their bad drivers and unlicensed drivers shouldn't be on the road anyway. And if they're a company that doesn't focus on safety, even though they allow uh you know 80,000 pound vehicles on the road going 70 miles an hour uh they shouldn't they shouldn't be in that industry they should let the good companies pick up that market share hire their good drivers and and follow good safety protocols so we're going to continue to talk about this um you know as our law firm has represented uh many injured people injured by 18 wheelers through no fault of their own we think it's really important uh that the right to trial by jury be preserved um, And if there are some changes and tweaks to be made, I think everybody is always open to those discussions. Uh, But we should not be shielding 18-wheeler companies and bad companies and bad drivers uh, from the harm that they caused, uh, you know, to our fellow Texans. So stay tuned. We'll talk about it more. uh, And we'll see you next time on the next episode of Hill Law Firm Podcast.